1: to product analytics to product-led growth. That's pendo.io slash pivot to learn more. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher.
0: And I'm Scott Galloway.
1: Oh, I thought you were Scott Atlas. Oh, gosh. Yes, that guy, you
0: know, the, the doctor.
1: Yeah, there was the a Jevis, the quack. He's running uh, the COVID response for the White House now. He's been jamming <laughs> out all the others uh, who have not bathed themselves in glory by any stretch. But Pence has, like left the building and doesn't seem to involve himself And so now Atlas and his his which twi- who Twitter is the only one you know chastising for the things he says and and writes on Twitter, for example. So anyway, the COVID
0: non-response.
1: Yes, the COVID non-response. You I know, did he's... one of my
0: favorite medical things this morning.
1: Mm-hmm. What did you do?
0: I got my teeth cleaned. I, I go to this amazing dentist called Dr. Spodak, one of my favorite people in the mm-hmm. world, because she's so passionate about what she does, and she's so yeah. outstanding at it. As a vet, my hygienist, she's a, an absolute delight. They ramp up, they dial up the nitrous. Mm-hmm. I listen to 80s music, and it's just amazing. Just amazing. <laughs> Jeff,
1: you have nitrous to get your teeth cleaned?
0: Oh, are you kidding? Are you I'd talking? have nitrous to do the dishes. I, I love mean, that. No, seriously. Shit. You have nitrous. Oh, my really? God.
1: Listen, Michael Jackson. CVS is on a hiring spree to prepare for a spike in COVID and the flu season. Um, and 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 there's a lot of there's some hiring going on in certain sectors. So is the pandemic an opportunity for job growth? I mean, the president keeps talking about a V-shaped curve. It's clearly not that. Um, but there are certain bright spots. Why don't you talk about that? Let's be a little positive because Nancy Pelosi says President Trump's deadline to negotiate a new pandemic deal with the Democrats is Tuesday, which is now. So yeah. what, tell me where you feel on on where the economy is because it doesn't look great.
0: So, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an opportunity for a job growth. I think it's an opportunity to reshape certain sectors of the economy, mm-hmm. and all that. As we keep talking about, all this is an accelerant. So, the opportunity to reduce emissions, the opportunity to reskill or retrain certain workers, the opportunity for remote. Um, mm-hmm. You know that a crisis is a terrible thing to waste, and I think one of the biggest mm-hmm. dangers about the crisis. And I was talking to the dean of uh, my school, NYU Stern, who's like. I got, incredibly impressive high-character person is that I was telling him I I thought his biggest fear was the crisis wouldn't be deep enough to give him the cloud cover to make the changes he needs. Two-thirds of costs at universities are tied up in administrators, uh, basically salary, and tenured professors. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the idea that we could reshape our universities by dramatically increasing admittance rates and supply with a, a mix of small and big tech and dramatically Decre- decreasing cost while increasing lo- uh, in quality, I think every industry just as kind of digital unlocked this incredible wave of innovation and reshaped our economy, we have an opportunity here w- with respect to loosely what you would call remote. You know, mm-hmm. it just makes sense. I, y- you can be working harder right now and have more time with your family because of if you have the right re- remote technologies and the right skills. The thing we've got to keep in mind, though, is the, the economy will reshape on its own. The, 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 the thing we have to be really careful of this time, if you think of this as the third big unlock, the right. first really big unlock was globalization, finding low-cost producers, mm-hmm. comparative advantage. The second really big unlock was digital. But with, with neither of those unlocks did we take the time to say, all right— where does What'll the incredible effective? increase in productivity and prosperity and gains go? And we said the the gains should all go to the shareholders instead of carving up a slice of that and saying, okay, we need to redistribute some of those gains to the people left behind, in the form right. of worker training, the form of education. Which we will not do again.
1: I suspect.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. Unfortunately, right. so we'll but just we do have it a
1: different way. And good right. luck, people of America. I mean, that's really the American way: is to like, good luck. Well, I, you're I didn't on your know it
0: used to be. I We've been I'm pretty not good sure about that. Uh, Carter, I I mean, even tax rates. If you look at tax rates, they've been substantially higher until they've been on a pretty steady slope down. We we bought into the notion of redistributing income, but because we have continued to segregate ourselves by economic class, it reduces empathy, and people tell a story about, you know, they start revising their history about how hard they worked and not realizing that, you know what, it helps to have rich parents and be a white dude, and that Mm-hmm. Unless you pay some of that back, we're going to end up with a, a nation barreling towards 3 million lords being served by 350 million serfs. Which we I do talk think- about a lot.
1: And it's it's very clear that that there is no plans afoot, at least by this administration, to help people who are down in the and, – and also the Democrats. The idea that job retraining should be at the forefront of this or figuring out where jobs are going in the first yep. place. Like, if CVS is hiring, how do we train people to take those jobs? If Certain job classes are doing better than others if there's certain industries, but you don't hear a lot of that talk, you know, going on. We talk about relief, which is important for the short mm-hmm. term, but the long term uh, ability to shift our country in ways, just like with digital, I'll tell you, there's just fewer jobs. That's what it was. Yeah, it wasn't, no it doubt. wasn't so much you could retrain everybody. The same thing with this remote. There's going to be fewer jobs. That's when you right. walk downtown, when you walk to parking garages, when you walk to food places, it's just not the same thing. And every company in the forward position is saying this loud and clear. It's just that our our uh, the people that have to figure out how to retrain everyone have not seemed to have gotten the memo on this one.
0: Yeah, but yet. I talked to – and this is – you set up another play date for me. I talked mm-hmm. to the CEO of Airbnb on Friday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was asking for advice. And I said, you've got to bust the wheel. And the wheel is loosely speaking bust that a company like Airbnb could end up with five or 7,000 employees and a $100 billion market cap. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right, don't make the mistake Uber did. Don't arbitrage this permanent underclass or this underclass mm-hmm. has developed. You're arbitraging properties and find the average the average renter or host is a woman in her thirties. I'm like, how mm-hmm. do you convince your board to carve up some of that pre-IPO equity, give it to them, and create economic security for the engine? You mm-hmm. know uh, how do you fall back in love with the remarkables instead of arbitraging them? And that, that we yeah. need the, He needs to be the 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 white hat the the Neosporin the good guys Brian in the share the bountiful. economy. I'm Brian, sorry,
1: Brian the bountiful. I'm going to give him a name, Brian the bountiful. But
0: You're there's an opportunity to be here, bountiful. right? And that I is,
1: agree. I agree.
0: I why agree. don't, I mean, it's too late for the cancer that is Uber, but why, if Uber mm-hmm. had said early on, we're going to give 10% <laughs> of the company to our 4 million yeah. driver partners, partners being Latin for people we're going to arbitrage. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. thing about the share economy. Everyone says you're arbitraging, arbitraging assets. No, you're, you're arbitraging people, specifically mm-hmm. their desperation or their need for Use flexibility. Use an easier
1: word than arbitrage because I think the regular person, using. Well,
0: exploitation. What do you want to call exploitation.
1: it? Exploitation. Yeah, yeah, I like the word exploitation. All right, Scott. Speaking of which, speaking of economies and how to bring them back, uh, let's get to the big stories. China's economy grew by nearly five percent in the in the in the, <sighs> the recent quarter. This means China is likely to be the only major economy to expand this year. Meanwhile, the International Monetary Fund expects the world economy to contract four percent. By the way, here in the U.S., the budget deficit has soared to three point one trillion dollars over the weekend. Also this week, Alibaba, China's biggest e-commerce company and Amazon's strongest global competitor, is buying China's largest box retailer, Sun Art, Sun Art is Walmart's biggest competitor. So there's a lot to unpack here, but China's doing great. So talk about this. Um, and what does that mean for competition? We really got them with our trade deal. I can see that. I can see that they're really suffering from the, the blows we've put upon them.
0: Well, first off, uh, mind blown. I mean, just mind blown. Yeah. There, yeah, I saw at the motor and pointed this out, and, it, and it's. I think it's so ironic that the real victims of a crisis are usually not where the crisis originates. The crisis mm-hmm. originates in China. And wouldn't you know, China is going to run through – they are going to accelerate. They're basically the Amazon of geopolitics right now, and that is they're going to accelerate through the pandemic. That's
1: a great way to put it. And there's
0: a real lesson here. And the lesson is that, okay, what's the playbook? And we like to think we're exceptional, meaning we can't learn from anybody else because we have our head up our ass and think that anything we do, even if it's terrible, that we do it the right way. Yep. China, what is the key, you know, if you were to distill down to three things why China has been so successful at the way they have addressed the pandemic, the first is, and it's the most important thing, they locked that shit down. There was no excuse. (laughs) There was no bullshit about freedom. There was no complaints about tyranny. You did testing. You went into the economy and the people. Their economy contracted more severely (laughs) than any economy in the world. Because they said, okay, we actually have this thing called epidemiology and respect for science. And as far as we can tell, until there's a vaccine, we've got to create these nodes of distribution and create distance between them. And they locked down more harshly than anyone. And the stage two was once they felt they had control of the pandemic, they got their supply chain back up and humming. They opened their factories and their supply chain first. And then phase three was to get their consumers back out spending money again. And you know what? It's worked. And here we are with a series of half measures and complaints and no coordinated strategy. And what do you know? Utah's had its worst week. Since the mm-hmm. beginning of the pandemic, yeah. there, yep. the lesson yep. here—and nobody wants to hear it—and and we make these bullshit statements about Asia that, oh, but they're co- more compliant, which is our way of saying they're weak. Well, you know what? Mm-hmm. We were pretty fucking weak in World War II. We slowed mm-hmm. down to thirty miles an hour. We gave, we bought war ba- bonds. We didn't sit around waiting for a stimulus. We sacrificed hugely. We were very yeah. compliant, if yeah. you will. They have absolutely demonstrated a masterclass, and as Fareed Zakaria said, so is Taiwan. If you were to look at, there was a heat map mm-hmm. showing... Uh, oh,
1: Taiwan's amazing. I'm just writing a column about Audrey Tang, the head of digital there this week. It's She's just amazing what they've done there.
0: But if you were to take... If you were to look at every country and say – and think of every every country as a stock and say relative mm-hmm. to where it is now, would you predict yep. that the country as a stock will go up in value or down in value mm-hmm. relative to its current place in the geopolitical world? And you right. could do a heat map. You'd say, well, the places most likely that are likely to shed from where they mm-hmm. are now are parts of Western Europe and the U.S. There's just nationalism, narcissism. Things aren't uh, – forward-looking indicators and very strong here. But that's – you want to say, well, we're not You know, – I'm not trying to be anti-Anglo-Saxon. I think New Zealand, Canada, Australia mm-hmm. have done a pretty good job of trying she to be more She just won a big victory there down. too
1: because of her behavior. She won a big victory in New Zealand. She's fantastic. She's fantastic. Yeah.
0: And by the way – and I'm back to youth. But, and then if you said, all right, Asia, hey, let's be honest. If Asia was a stock and an ETF, you'd want to buy it. Yep. If you did a map of your perception of which mm-hmm. countries and which nations are going to thrive, it's like a heat map of coronavirus. Coronavirus mm-hmm. and the way who have the, these nation states have handled COVID 19 is literally a forward looking indicator of our it's position indeed. and power in society. And mm-hmm. it's a very negative looking forward indicator. Are,
1: For us, uh, I agree. This is, these these rallies and these, uh, all the kinds of different, it was really interesting because I was noticing that there's voting now in Florida, early voting, and people who were voting were six feet apart, standing in the rain with masks, like going to do their duty, right? And they were inspiring. not coalescing, they were not doing like dancing around singing to uh, Fortunate Son, which the guy who wrote Fortunate Son does not want them to be dancing to. Um, and it, it was really, it really is, and the numbers of viruses just sort, and you look at China and you, you're like, you can say China virus 20 times a day, but the fact of the matter is they've shut it down effectively. And here we are indulging ourselves, uh, be, being sloppy and being resistant. And I, we joke about Scott Atlas, but it's an, it's, it's, I don't even know what to say about, he should be removed from the White House. Uh, If Joe Biden wins this election, just removed and never allowed to come back in again, because this is just this is about the economy. This is about getting back to work. I would like to everyone's got pandemic fatigue. I have pandemic. I want to go to a restaurant. And this this ridiculous indulgence that we've extended the life of this thing and not done everything we can to shut it down. And you see China returning to growth. it's, It's it's it's. and you know you're going to see. They, by the way, had a had a backlash, and then they handled it. They handled their backlash, and they'll have another one into the fall, I'm sure. But it's just it's something else when you look at it. So, does that give companies like Alibaba a chance to become more powerful than Amazon? And and if you were if if Biden does win, what would you do? If you you are now appointed to 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 the Biden administration, and you have to deal with the China situation, Scott, I, this will never happen, obviously. But what would you do? What would you do?
0: Well, it I goes back to our original statement. Instead of "Make America Great Again," I think I think the the right call sign for the Biden Harris or the hopefully the Biden Harris mm-hmm. administration is "America Again." And mm-hmm. I think I think countries that trade together are just less likely to go to war with each other. And I think that it's mm-hmm. important that we understand China. I, I, I just don't think there's any getting around it. Just as everything's been accelerated ten years, China was supposed to overtake the U.S. in terms of geopolitical power in ten years. We don't like to admit it. I think it's happened in the last ten weeks. I think. Just as mm-hmm. we would draw from the World Health Organization, they fill that vacuum and they go in. So, I think mm-hmm. our relationship with China is really important. I'd love to see, personally, I cool. would love to see, if I were Joe Biden, I would go to Barack Obama and say, Boss, I was a good soldier for you for eight years. Oh, I need you to yeah. be Secretary of State for the next 24 months and go on the world's biggest repair tour. Just as the re- hmm. Rolling Stones went on the Steel Wheels tour, I need you to go on the the Repair tour. It's a twenty four month br- world tour. Who thought of for
1: Secretary of State besides Obama? I mean, I have never heard of Obama. but well, who's even a guy.
0: Person? I, I, I think Rice, I do think there's a I I do think there's a call or an opportunity for bipartisanship. I think John Huntsman is a very decent man and was very good. And he was a, he was the ambassador to China before.
1: Mitt Romney finally make him in Secretary of State, although.
0: Mid, you know, uh, like. I would love to see Mid involved in something. I think he's a decent man and mm-hmm. I think he's a smart man and you know all like that. Not, it's don't not, make
1: him go to dinner, an embarrassing dinner either.
0: Well, you it's know, not only that. Not like that. When you're talking did. about China, you are talking about business and supply chain. You mm-hmm. know, you could see a guy like Doug McMillan. You could see a guy, I don't know if Tim Cook has any aspirations. And I I, I, I want to be clear, I think we need, need probably need less business people in government and more government people in government. But mm-hmm. China is a special case. It really is about business and economics there. It's also about human rights, I agree, but... Our ability to have influence over China is, our, I think, our ability to continue to be very integrated. And the way we integrate with them is around our supply chain and economics. Um, I'd like to think there's an opportunity. And just as we always get let down, every administration thinks that they're going to change Putin and he doesn't change. We should learn from that. He's our enemy. Right. I think right. China's our he competitor. I think China's our competitor, not our enemy. And we have to okay. be smart and we have to be strategic. But I think we should think about how we can understand them better and get closer to China.
1: We should also think about the Verge publish a feature about the Foxconn Wisconsin project, which oh, gosh, has been sort of the shit, disaster of all time. And it's, yeah. it's a great piece if you haven't read it. Um, they had a reporter on it for four months. Uh, it called, Trump called it the eighth wonder of the world and he promised huge investments from Foxconn. Um, it's now sitting empty. Uh, it's really quite an amazing story. I, I urge everyone to go to it, but this idea that we're going to return manufacturing to this country is just not going to happen. We have mm-hmm. to be more creative if we want to grow, and not just the idea that we're going to move every sing- single thing from China because these supply chains are really very difficult to move and very expensive unless you're willing to pay $3,000 for an iPhone, which is already it's already close to two, I think, and some of them. Um, or I forget, what's the cost of an iPhone? The new one's quite expensive. But in any case... Yeah. Yeah, much more expensive. So, you know, that story, that whole idea of sort of touting that we were going to bring back this, these, if you remember every one of those meetings, they're all with different Chinese, different various people. Mm -hmm. We're going to come here and they, none of them have panned out, not one of them. It was just a whole whole lot of nonsense.
0: Well, they're, they're, uh, I mean, the term you use that I love is they've kind of slow rolled us. They look concerned and they just wait us out. And like, we're just going to keep this whole economic engine. Firing on all f- twelve thousand cylinders, and and make investments mm-hmm. overseas, and make investments in Africa, and say and and say to Thailand, if we get a vaccine first, we're going to distribute it for free to you. And they are they're filling the void of global leadership that has been the incompetence, the infection, totally. That that so what do we do? Like, Let's talk
1: about what we do. Well, let's assume a Trump right. uh, loss. Yeah, I I, want, I should assume both. Assume a Trump loss. Yep. What you you bring Barack Obama? But what do you do from a business point of view?
0: I think you well, get, make off, everybody
1: mask up, right? And uh, and get I, I, get I tested. personally
0: and and they don't want to say this because they're worried about alienating mm-hmm. moderates. I think the strategy once Biden is elected is two mm-hmm. words. First word lock. Second word down. We're we're bringing America back. D Day was a huge sacrifice for us we have mm-hmm. made anor- americans in the past have made sacrifices the likes of which anyone alive in america has a difficult time understanding unless it's the slow sacrifice of the erosion of the poverty that we've levied on the bottom the bottom half of america that's more like a mm-hmm. slow st- imposed sacrifice it is time for americans mm-hmm. to find their sense of patriotism and the fastest means the most re- the greatest return on patriots the g- greatest rop right now would be Mm -hmm. for all of America to join hands and get rid of this politicization and this bullshit around mass and say, we are severely locking down. And we're gonna all take responsibility for households that need help. We're all gonna Mm -hmm. adopt households, maybe where there's a single mother around remote learning. We're going to all make sure that our elderly feel loved and contacted, but we are literally going to lock down for thirty days. And no excuses. We're going to use technology so people can have walks. We're going to mm-hmm. have remote learning. We're going to have remote I scheduling like so kids can Sons. have play dates.
1: Dropping the hammer on the United States of America. I would also put us in charge of talking to the tech companies to go around <laughs> and force them not to have anti vax things and, and everything. Go listen, kids. They're trying. We're going to do I all would well,
0: you've noticed this. Oh, I'll give on. them this. They're trying. I, I, I do you think they're trying around misinformation around the virus. You don't think they're doing a very good job?
1: Pity Pat steps. They got yeah. it. They got to like come down like a hammer, like on these things. No matter what. Why would
0: May rally if the Maytag, if the Maytag company can within three weeks be producing B24 super fortresses instead of washing they machines? They don't like each other. Yeah, but but um, for God's sake,s they, don't they like the flag more? Remember, I mean, like
1: it was like three months ago where Mark Zuckerberg was insulting Jack Dorsey over this stuff. Remember, and then suddenly now he's doing it. Come on, remember? I, uh, you don't remember? I remember. The
0: problem thing. is that, again. The problem is. If it was insulting
1: him over his coronavirus. If it was a brown responses. dude in a
0: turban that worshipped a different god, we'd all rally together. But the mm-hmm. problem is, every, no one can see the viruses or enemy. Anyway. No one sees it as a formidable enemy, and everyone's waiting. Because
1: it's, it's our invisible enemy. There you to. go. It's our invisible. Anyways,
0: I'd like to <laughs> it's think. Not I'd like to think that a renewed sense of patriotism and sacrifice begins. In early january with the inauguration and i think joe biden should not be shy about asking americans to say all right buck up motherfuckers we're americans and we are walking we down he should say buck up
1: motherfucker well
0: let's, the- i'll tell you what let's let's nod let's nod yeah. okay to the people buried in normandy let's do a nod mm-hmm. to all the people who decided to go sweat in southeast vietnam and fight for us, and what was a ridiculously let's let's nod to all the people who sacrificed, all the families who sent their kids over to ridiculously ill thought out wars in the Middle East. Let's like just just a brief nod to them and lock mm-hmm. down for thirty days.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Now here's the thing: I'm still waiting for Infrastructure Week. That's what I would <laughs> like to have happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. We
1: do need infrastructure. The thing is, we do need infrastructure week. We have the things that are going to start getting going is really uh, investment led by companies led by, uh, VCs and things like that, but helped with the government where we encourage this idea of made America in a wholly different way than has been the old style way of doing it, which is let's take from China. Let's instead start. Uh, there's all kinds of things we could do. It's really kind of fascinating how, uh, how not how easy it is to fix this, because it's not going to be in any way, along with the $3.1 trillion budget deficit, which has kept us on a, you know, a contact high for a long time, which is going to be very painful coming off of that, I, you know, honestly, getting this, inheriting this disaster with the COVID and the deficit is going to be a heavy lift for this, whoever takes over. You know what I mean? Whoever is running the country for the next few years.
0: Well, if you just think about a company and its balance sheet, the more debt it takes on, the, the market perceives that the enterprise value hasn't changed and it starts decreasing mm-hmm. the equity. So, at some point, yeah. the world wakes up and goes, this place is just too much debt. Now, granted, we're in a, a little bit of the are Because we have the reserve currency and could technically try and inflate our way out of it. But at some point, the world as an investor says, this company has too much debt on the balance sheet. And it kind of goes back to our lack of willingness to sacrifice. We'd rather borrow prosperity. What is money? Money is the transfer of time and work from other people. And so we've decided we want our kids and grandkids to spend less time with their families so we can spend Mm -hmm. more time with our families and not sacrifice. Mm -hmm. I think the debt... You know, the, the reckless spending, it, we talk about, you know, this recurring thing of accelerant. We are now spending. The government is now spending where it was supposed to spend. Its projected spend was supposed to be in 24 years. I mm-hmm. mean, granted, it's going to come back down. But the, the level, the only thing that passes for bipartisanship in America is reckless spending. I think, I, I and, and you brought up Nancy Pelosi. I want to be bipartisan in my depression and anger here. I think she's playing mm-hmm. politics. I think she should get a Agreed. deal done. And there are a lot of people hurting.
1: The problem is, they really are apart. They're really far apart on this stuff.
0: Yeah. And I I don't know if she's negotiating or if she's just trying to make the president look bad, but we need a deal. There's a lot of people out there who are really hurting. And I think her going on Wolf Blitzer and attacking the media feels very Trumpian to me. And it's like, okay, just in case, just in case you were wondering if the far left wasn't fresh out of crazy, we're not and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't I don't, think she is behaving I don't think she's being a leader right well, now pr-
1: I think one of the bigger problems is you've got the Democrats you've got the mm-hmm. Republicans and you got Trump saying something totally different which mm-hmm. you know he keeps saying I'd live more and then everyone's like it, it throws a wrench in the entire process when he does mm-hmm. that and I think you know everyone thinks I always blame them, but this is even the Republicans are like no like when your own side is saying no we're not going to do this uh, mm-hmm. and then you have the Democrats it's just there's too many sides here and that's the difficulty of getting to an answer and they won't ever agree agree on giving money to cities they won't ever give you know the idea they have blue. this yes exactly yeah. and so that's one of the big sticking points i think and the other is the is how the money is delivered there was some really interesting of all the places on shark tank last week there were some very interesting ways of giving back the money some some were were uh, unemployment benefits mm-hmm. incre- increased so you don't give it to people without jobs you give it to people I mean, with jobs, you give it to people without jobs. There was a couple of really interesting and creative ways to deal with it, and and all of them were interesting, and, mm-hmm. and none of them seemed to be being what discussed. What were your
0: favorite one or two? Do you remember?
1: I think the unemployment insurance. I thought that mm-hmm. was like, give it to the people who don't have jobs, not to the people that do have jobs. And uh, and 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 give it to individuals over corporations. I mean, I think that's really oh, 100%. once you get protect one, people not companies hands. for yep. the short term. And you know, Mark Cuban has one where you give it for eighteen months. There's there's mm-hmm. all different things, but there are a lot of great ideas in this thing. And mostly, I tend to go with the give it to individual people who are suffering. And anyway, we'll we'll get on more. All right, Scott, let's go on a quick break and talk to a friend of Pivot, David Sanger of the New York Times. He's an expert in cyber security issues and and all. Alike the like, about a host of stories around the election and disinformation
2: when we get back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in.
3: Just go to constantcontact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com.
1: Okay, welcome back. Okay, Scott, let's bring on our friend of Pivot. He is reporter David Sanger. He is the national security correspondent for The New York Times and author of a book that's fantastic called The Perfect Weapon. He's also executive producer of a new documentary by the same name, The Perfect Weapon, which is now out on HBO. David, welcome to Pivot.
4: Great to be with you, Karen.
1: So there's so much going on this week. I mean, I, this morning my Twitter was like jammed with with back and forth with the national security advisor saying things, no one believes him and this and that. But let's let's talk about uh, right now, you've covered national security for a long time. How would you define the era we're in compared to past administrations and national security issues? Because now it seems like just a Twitter war is going on rather than actual information. And this stuff used to be quite held very closely.
4: Well, there is a Twitter war going on, but um, in the space that you and I watch the most, which is um, the cyber space of this, there is a constant daily low-level cyber conflict underway among many different countries. But the United States, China, Russia, to a lesser degree, Iran and North Korea are um, major players. Um, Just before we came on to record this, the Justice Department unsealed uh, indictments against a number of Russian officers who were responsible for um, cyber attacks that uh, were uh, around the world, the Mm -hmm. French elections against um, the Olympic uh, committees, uh, many others. This is the same unit that did the 2016 uh, election. And it's no surprise that we're seeing indictments now, action by the NSA, action by Microsoft and others, against Russian actors. They're trying to throw them off their game before the election in a mere uh, two, two weeks. And that... The good news about this is that there's a much higher level of awareness and understanding now than there was in 2016. Radar is on at Facebook, at Twitter, uh, at the NSA. We're beginning to push back against them preemptively. But to say that it is a coordinated campaign right now, that would be a wild overstatement. A coordinated campaign
1: by the Russians, you mean?
4: A coordinated campaign by the United States. Oh, yes, yeah, no, to they're coordinated. The t- they're coordinated. The Russians. <laughs> they're
1: coordinated. They're It's together. Because that don't all I'm hearing about is is, uh, is Hunter Biden's laptop, which I don't even want to hear about at this moment. I I want to hear about the cyber warfare.
4: You you don't. But you know, I thought it's sort of interesting if you think about the amount of news that we heard, Kara, four years ago about the DNC hack and mm-hmm. everybody publishing those that data, and while some of it was newsworthy it was disconnected from the thought that Vladimir Putin wants you to be reading this. Mm -hmm. And the difference is when the New York Post came and did the Hunter Biden laptop last week, everybody sort of slowed down and said, is this disinformation? Where did this come from? Where are these documents from? Everybody except the New York Post.
3: Mm
4: -hmm. Um, And so I think it shows that. In our industry, despite all of the evidence to the contrary, Carrie and you and I can cite a lot of it, we are capable of learning. <laughs> so. all,
1: right. all right. So, Scott?
0: Well, I, I have a, a kind of a meta question and then a more specific tactical question. Or If if you were to think about, so when, when the panzers rolled into Poland in whenever I think it was 39, uh, the Polish decided to fight them based on this very esteemed uh, means of warfare that they had been very successful with, and that is they they address the Panzer tanks on horseback. And it strikes me that when we're talking about cyber uh, attacks and cyber warfare, that we run the risk uh, of basically fighting on horseback, and that is we still spend two-thirds of a trillion dollars on tanks and submarines, and I can't imagine a higher ROI um, – uh, effort than massively investing in cyber capabilities. It just strikes me as something that is so, the the impact and the capabilities are so much greater than the investment right now. And I wonder if America's gotten that. Ma- I mean, Russia, it appears to me that Russia is just smarter than we are. They're like, we can't win in terms of trying to produce submarines and aircraft carriers. So we'll take a fraction of that capital and we'll outspend them in cyber. Is Isn't cyber the most underinvested weapon in the world right now? Uh,
4: It is. Uh, It's a good question about if we invested more, would we know how to invest it smartly? But we'll get to that in a moment. I think there is a growing recognition of this. It's not a recognition that seems to permeate the um, Trump administration very deeply. Mm -hmm. President Trump keeps talking about how he's increased the amount of defense spending. But when you ask him what that means, he's talking as if we're still stuck in the 1950s, the number of ships we're going to have out at sea. Uh, the the uh, number of hypersonic missiles we're going to have. Those may be useful if you're in an all-out war, but they are not at all useful in the day-to-day right. cyber conflict we see mm-hmm. in which our adversaries carefully calibrate everything they're doing to make sure that they don't go over that invisible red line that would lead them to be attacked by um, the U.S. military. So, you know, the documentary walks you through these. The Sony hack was a political hack to stop a movie that, of course, uh, envisioned the assassination of Kim Jong-un. But the Obama administration tied itself into knots on is this an act of war? Is this an act of sabotage? Is it digital graffiti, which Obama later told me that was a, a phrase he regretted using? Mm-hmm. Um We saw that in the SANS Casino hack. We saw it in the response or non-response to the Office of Personnel Management when the Chinese got 22 million security clearance files. I think we're doing a little bit better. If you want to give Obama credit, uh, if you want to give President Trump credit for one thing, it was the summer of 2018 order that gives the National Security Agency and U.S. Cyber Command and their commander the authority— without presidential approval to go into foreign networks and begin to push back abroad on all of this. Um, But you're absolutely right. We are stuck investing in legacy systems when that money should be going into cyber, protecting against bioweapons that could replicate this pandemic, the range of things that you would put on a list that would be much more likely if we were attacked.
1: So what, is the, what prevents that? Now, you talk about the rise of cyber warfare, and this is not something that's been slow. It, it, I always think it's of the, the Russians. Uh, exactly. I think the Russians have lost the, lost the Cold War, but they're winning this one, or they, it feels like they're, they're winning this one. What? Give us a quick timeline for the run-up to this moment, and, and especially you know, talk about the hacking operations that have come up in this election so far.
4: So um, the timeline of the past decade is that when we did Olympic Games, which was the code name for what most people think of as the Stuxnet attack, um, we were using a cyber weapon state-on-state state for the first time to achieve a major military and intelligence objective, in that case paralyzing the Iranian nuclear program. But President Obama said at that time to his staff, look, when the word gets out about this— Every country that's attacking us anyway is going to use it as an excuse to turn around and accelerate their attacks, which is exactly what the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, mm-hmm. the North Koreans all did. Um, in 2016, we com- it's not that we had our radar off. We hadn't even built the radar. I mean, Facebook had no idea what was mm-hmm. happening to it. Twitter, we don't never reconstructed this until after the election. We knew about the DNC hacks, but we didn't understand the influence operations. Mm-hmm. This year, it's been interesting. The Russians have not used the Internet Research Agency in the way that they did in 2016. They weren't creating a character who was supposed to be Kara's next-door neighbor, mm-hmm. suggesting that uh, she should sign up For a declaration that Texas should secede from the union right, Mm -hmm. Uh, or organize a protest. Instead, what they have done is they've done a much better job of getting their information through third parties into the heads of Americans who they knew could repeat it. And that the NSA could do nothing about it because those Americans were exercising their First Amendment so rights. So
1: turning ourselves against ourselves, essentially, just kind and, of through QAnon right. or or, what, or anti-vax or various things. And
4: boy, did we help them because mm-hmm. all, they're not creating these divisions in American yeah, they're society, just they're just amplifying yeah, them. Yeah. And yeah. so when the president comes out, and this has been the most active one, I've written a fair bit about, about this in the Times, when the president comes out and says, there is no way that I will lose this election unless they cheat, right? That this election is rigged. He's doing half of Putin's work for him. And when he comes out and he says um, that mail-in ballots are going to lead to fraud, what is the first thing the Russians do? They take the president's own line and amplify it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we've actually made this cycle a little bit easier for them.
1: So what to do? What do you think the big companies have done at dispelling and taking down disinformation? Obviously, Facebook has suddenly found God in some fashion or found cyber God. Is it real or is it just, oh, God, oh, my God, I can't rely on the Trump administration anymore?
4: It is stumbling along to a solution. Uh, I would not call it a national strategy. You have to think of this in two separate categories. Mm -hmm. There's the hacking of infrastructure and the hacking of brains, Mm -hmm. okay? So for the next two weeks, we're actually more worried about the hacking of infrastructure, right? Mm -hmm. The reason you're seeing TrickBot being attacked by Microsoft and the NSA and others is to get rid of a major source of, or disrupt a major source of ransomware at the exact time that we are concerned they could get into registration systems, e-poll books, make them be on the defense instead of on the offense. That's good. Um, Facebook and others, they are trying to stumble their way towards some standards. But all you had to do was look at Twitter blocking the New York Post mm-hmm. story and the documents and then reversing itself over the weekend and allowing them mm-hmm. to
0: tell you that they hadn't really thought through a strategy no, here. we've
1: we noticed that. We've noticed, yes. noticed that. Yeah. It's not so a strategy, David, it's a if list. You,
0: what, what if you—let me ask you this. It, executive order under the, the guise of national security— If I think of really innovative acts, it's weaponizing someone else's assets to your own advantage. And I think that we don't like to admit it because it's easier to convince—it's easier um, to—it's easier to fool someone than convince them they've been fooled. So, we don't like to admit that the object of our affection, Facebook, was detonated in our face. What do you—how would you feel about an executive order to say, Facebook, Google, and Twitter, you just haven't figured this out— you are the primary means uh, vehicle for weaponization for bad actors. We're shutting you down today, and you're not open again until November 10th. All three of you.
4: Um, the cybersecurity side of me would say, okay, I understand why we're doing that. Mm-hmm. The First Amendment side of me, as a journalist, would say, we can't live like that. That's not the way this society operates, because in the in the— Effort to take down bad speech, harmful speech, false speech, we're also taking down a major way in which Americans in the run up to a democratic election mm-hmm. communicate with each other. And I wouldn't want to do that any more than if it was 1788 and it was the first presidential election, or if it was um, Jefferson versus Adams, I wouldn't want to see what Adams was doing with the Alien and Sedition Acts, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're trying to outlaw a a certain type of speech. So it's got a, you know, a nice, easy, clean solution side to it. But I think it runs fundamentally contrary to our values. How does it
1: compare to what happened in France? Which they did do that, correct? Because they don't have the same.
4: In France, what they do is they close all political speech off for, I think, 48 or 72 hours prior Mm -hmm. to the election. But it's a different thing because they've done that for years. They announce it in advance. So you know that if you're going to get your message out, you've got to do it before the blackout Yeah, and they also don't have the
1: First Amendment.
4: Yeah, and Mm -hmm. that's the second point. You know, the First Amendment is unique among democracies. Mm -hmm. Uh, The British don't have it. The Australians don't have it. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I worked in either of those countries... Terry, you'd be the first to say I'd be spending a lot of time in jail right now, right? Because I end up writing about a lot of classified Mm -hmm. U.S. operations. Mm -hmm. We can do that because the First Amendment gives us a level of protection that you don't get if you're in Britain under the Official Secrets Act. You certainly don't get in Australia, and none of us would argue that those aren't real democracies. Of course, they are, Mm -hmm. but we give a premium to free speech.
1: So, so so they could cut them, shut themselves down. That's really what they'd have to do, or they'd have to do something rather drastic to themselves. Kind of
4: what they're doing in saying we're not
0: going to take political ads. Well, well, some of them are not
1: Facebook. Some of them, but Facebook
0: is not. That's right. Is there a middle ground? Could you go to verified identity only for a couple weeks?
4: You might be able to do that.
0: Here's my problem with verified identity in general. Mm -hmm. I think it's
4: a great solution because Scott, if you're the one who's taking out my computer system, I can see it's Scott who was in there. Mm -hmm. The problem with verified identity is that it's exactly the solution that Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping want you to go to, because they want to go to completely verified identity on the internet so they can find every individual dissident who's coming after them and throw them in jail. Mm -hmm. And that's a big problem for us. Verified identity generally would be a solution to a huge number of cybersecurity problems it would also be the autocrat's
0: dream but what if it was temporary i agree with you there's the argument you always gonna kind of verified identity is there's a lot of journalists who would no longer be alive if they yeah. weren't able to publish information or do reporting anonymously but we're in a very we're in an unusual time for the next 17 days and it strikes me that the this 17 days has never been more fragile or I, at least in my lifetime it feels very fragile um, we're used to elections just being fairly rote almost boring and we you know we get an outcome, and this one feels like it's it's fraught with insecurity and fragility, or it's not you know it's not robust, if you will, and that if we went to verified identity for i don't know two weeks, two and a half weeks it wouldn't give the autocrats time to track everybody down or they might have to go quiet
4: that you're you're absolutely right, it would also create the precedent that That's even right. the world's most vibrant democracy is willing to go. To verified identity. I and hate it when people
0: push back on me with thoughtful <laughs> arguments. Get this guy out of All here!
4: All
1: right, last question. I David. want a silver uh, bullet. <laughs> my, yeah. no, there's no silver bullet. There's a lot. Voting. Voting is a silver you bullet. You and your nuance, and, and your Sanger, You count. and your yeah.
0: nuance.
4: All right, Sorry David, about that.
1: The perfect weapon. What is? What is? And what is the perfect weapon against the perfect
4: weapon? There is no perfect weapon against the perfect weapon, except the. Education of a populist to understand exactly what's happening to it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think one of the things we... Uh, We're screwed. Go ahead. Right. One of the things that I think John Maggio, the director of uh, the documentary, did so brilliantly was bring this to a human scale so that you are seeing through the eyes of the people at Sony what Mm -hmm. it felt like to be hacked by the North Koreans. That you are understanding why the Iranians took down the Sands Casino, not because they care about um, casino operations, but because Sheldon Adelson suggested bombing Iran with a nuclear weapon. That you understand um, so well what it is that we missed in 2016, and Mm -hmm. we may be missing now. I tell you what worries me for the next couple of days. And Scott, it's a little bit different than what you had in mind because I don't Mm -hmm. think perfect. Another worry? Okay. Another worry. I'll give you one more to keep you awake uh, tonight, Kara. Um, It's the perception hack on election day. A perception hack is a hack where You get into just a few individual districts in Wisconsin or Pennsylvania or whatever. You successfully get into their registration systems. Kara goes to to vote, and they say, oh, wait a minute. We think you're living back out in Silicon Valley now. Mm -hmm. Your registration's been changed. Scott, you go to vote, and they say, oh, somebody took – you took off the the rolls, you know, uh, a, a year or two ago. And you begin to think that if this individual precinct was hacked, it must be the entire state. Mm-hmm. And what more does Donald Trump need to be able to stand up and say, "See, I told you the whole thing was rigged"? Right. Yeah,
1: the ballots in the river isn't working so well. But I'm sorry, the ballots in the river isn't working as well as. He no, it hope. isn't.
4: But if you wake up, if you see right. on CNN right. that you know people can't vote in um, Kenosha. Yeah. Because uh, they get to so the- So they'll hack
1: themselves. They'll hack their side. That's interesting. This is like, I think this was a plot of scandal. I'm pretty certain it
4: was. I'm certain it, yeah. it was. Yeah. All, all that President Trump seems to want, if you believe As what he said at the um, at one of the rallies, is throw this into either the courts or the Congress. And to do that, he's got to be able to prove that there's fraud in enough key states that yeah. he might have won.
1: All right. Well, gosh, David. Scott, anything else?
0: <laughs> it's it, it, it is an interesting sick. thought though. We don't yeah. demand we don't demand 100% purity across any process. Except the, the uh, an incredible tactic of the Trump administration is to say that if if there is isn't 0.01%, if there's a 0.01% impurity here, it contaminates the entire process. That's and right. that's just not true. That's just not yeah. accurate.
4: And you know, yeah. we've had 0.01% impurities in elections since right.
1: 1788.
4: It's even more than that. It's even, even more Humans than that. Even more than that. That's right. And you know <laughs> what? In any given election, you're going to have what happened in Virginia the other day when somebody cut through a telecommunications line and suddenly you couldn't register to vote on the last day of registration. Mm-hmm. You'll have mistakes like were made in the Iowa caucuses where they were mm-hmm. trying out a oh, new app that? on yeah. the first night. And remember what a chaos oh, it was? I forgot about
1: that, David. Yeah. I yeah. that.
4: But what was everybody thinking? They were thinking this was the Russians. It wasn't the Russians. It was somebody who hadn't thought about what they were doing. Yeah. And you're going to have some of that. And the trick here on election night and beyond is going to be separate out the normal idiotic mistakes we make every single day from the malicious ones that our adversaries uh, David, like that's why punish.
1: we have you. That's why. And, that, I, and I know you're getting to the bottom of Hunter Biden's photographs, but I, I'm, please I'm don't. I'm looking for, please, at every email Please in don't there. do that.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> please, God. I've forgotten. Like, look at the big ones. Thank you, David. You do all the time. Anyway, thank you so much. This is The Perfect Weapon. It's now out on HBO. It's a documentary uh, around David's book, The Perfect Weapon. He's the national security correspondent for The New York Times, David. We are, we assume you will be on the job on that day and making sure that everything is uh, reported correctly as we move forward. So
4: I will, I will be there. Whether I can make everything reported correctly is another question. Oh, well,
1: you better. <laughs> the whole world depends on you. Anyway, thank you so much, Thanks, David. Thank we it, appreciate worry, it. Adam. All right, Scott, isn't he smart? I like to bring Whew. smarty pants for you to My meet gosh. all the time. I know, right? He knows oh they get all the I heard he has
0: a podcast called Sway. Oh, wait. No. <laughs> oh, wait.
1: <laughs> I should bring him on Sway. Yeah, anyway, right. one more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails.
0: Support for Pivot comes from Hidden Layer. It seems like everywhere you look, industries are turning to generative AI. We talk about it a lot on this show. Businesses can generate more ideas, answers, connections, solutions, and momentum. But at the same time, security teams are forced to slow down that progress so they can make sure AI adoption is safe and responsible. Hidden Layer's AI detection and response platform secures generative AI and large language models from malicious attacks, leaking of confidential information, and intellectual property theft. Hidden Layer helps you generate more by enabling seamless, secure generative AI. Here's how it works. AI detection and response protects businesses from potential attacks by monitoring and analyzing the inputs and outputs of their generative AI applications blocking harmful transactions, and alerting security teams in real time, allowing organizations to accelerate their AI adoption with speed. Customers in finance, technology, healthcare, and even the U.S. Department of Defense trust Hidden Layer to protect their AI today. Plus, Hidden Layer was named Most Innovative Startup at RSA, the most significant cybersecurity conference in the nation. With Hidden Layer, go from pause to possibilities. Generate more with Hidden Layer. Visit hiddenlayer.com slash pivot to learn more about Hidden Layer's AI detection and response solution.
1: All right, Scott, wins and fails. One fails that neither of us are as smart as David Sanger. But mm, nonetheless, sure. um, nonetheless it's good to um, let me, uh, you know, uh, just send to our Darren, uh, who is the the prime minister of New Zealand. I yep. thought she she had a huge win and she's yep. run that country beautifully with a lot of empathy, with a lot of class. Uh, there's there's problems in New Zealand like anywhere else. And I you hear from people who don't like her as much. But I got to tell you, she had a landslide victory for being a decent uh, leader, being a really strong leader through COVID and, and telling it like it is. To the people in a way that it's not Donald Trump telling like it is. It's really being honest with with uh, with her citizens about stuff. So I'd say she was a win. for. She's always a win. I'm trying to get her to come on uh, the Sway podcast, but we'll see. Nice. I, nonetheless, I have great uh, admiration for her. And a fail... Um, Huh. There's a couple of them. I think this whole Hunter Biden thing is ridiculous. And I I thought the New York Times had a great article about reporters who wanted their bylines taken off of it. And in the fail is the national security advisor who has lied about other things before politicizing it again. I would just like them to do their jobs and figure out. You know, if there was something happened, but I think this is just a feint for the, for, it looks like such, a, with Rudy Giuliani and Steve Bannon involved, I'm sorry, and this, and, and a lot of these administration officials who have done politicization, I'm just not going to take their word for it until they have actual proof of something, but they don't. So, so far they don't.
0: I like it. I like it. Uh, so, mm-hmm. my win is the Netflix, uh, uh, the Netflix um, TV series, Mindhunter. It's an American oh, psychological sure. crime thil- you like that? thriller. My son
1: likes that. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's it's outstanding. It's about is it? yeah. It's about I love stuff about the FBI. I think the F- FBI is a gangster organization. I like that they're sort of just you know white shirt pressed, very by the mm-hmm. book. I think it's one of the. One of the most impressive group groups of people ever brought together. Um, yeah, I don't and like serial
1: this, killer stories. I don't like
0: them. You know, it's it's really it's not so much about serial killers. It's about trying to. The thing I love about it is, it, I think it's a story about research and academic research yes. and how you yeah, try it's and about
1: serial killers.
0: How you try and distill something as intangible and something as qualitative is the mind of a serial killer into some sort of structured data set such that you can help solve crimes and perhaps even get involved in, um, I mean, even little things. It kind of, the first thing you get out of the first episode is, unfortunately, it all kind of comes down to the mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's, yeah, it's there, always the mother. It's mom. always the mom that screwed these kids up. Anyways, but and there's more than that. But it is really well done. The set design is just, yeah, so, oh, it's on in the '60s,
1: you, right? The '60s and it's the '70s.
0: Like, you look at the cars. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, the yeah. Ford Granada. I'd forgotten about that That's car. That
1: actor John, oh, I can't remember his name. He's great. He was in uh, he was in Hamilton. He was the king in Hamilton. He played King George. Really?
0: Does he play the Does he play he, the partner? The main,
1: the main guy, the main. Serial killer, a psychologist. Yeah.
0: Oh really? Um there yeah. anyways, it's fantastic. It's really well done and nice um, the vow Jonathan, finished up Jonathan this Groff or Holt Matt Groff yeah Groff, Groff yeah. 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 yeah anyways these guys the, uh, great performances fantastic right, set I, design I watched
1: the first one I had a whole serial killer period Scott and I did not like it I read all the Manson books from, like I was 14 13 and it was about that, like that sounds like you
0: that sounds like you didn't
1: like it my son is into the serial everyone goes through their little serial killer period and then I listened to I'll, I'll Be Alone in the Dark which is also a documentary now I'll, I'll I'll see you in the dark, whatever. It's the one with the woman who was married to Patton uh, Oswalt who found the... uh, uh Oh, I can't remember. There's so many different killers. Um, in any case, I don't. I stay away from all these. I stay away from the house, the Bly House Manor. I just don't go to horror. I can't do horror movies right now because our, yeah, our public life is then. so horrible. I snuck into right? The
0: Exorcist when I was thirteen, and I've never seen a horror movie since. Oh, good, that's it. a good
1: one to go in. Um, but uh, The Vow, which you recommended, it has its. It has, it's going for another season, it, and that last episode, I'm not going to give a away, but it was yeah. quite something. It's yeah. Quite and, something.
0: And my loss, so many
1: good things on TV. There's
0: a ton of great TV. And my loss is there's so many dumpster fires that we're ignoring that I think we may have experienced what is one of the greatest falls uh, mm-hmm. from grace in political history. And that is if you went back 17 or 18 he- years and looked for a true American hero, I think if you everyone had to vote for a true American hero, I think the winner far and away mm-hmm. would be Rudy Giuliani. And to oh. think that he has now become the definition of the term "useful idiot." tart. hes
1: a tart. It
0: was so easy for the Russians just to feed him misinformation while he was on this fishing expedition in Eastern Europe, trying to dig oh. up dirt against his political enemies. That so they're like, "Oh my God, this is just too easy. Let's just feed this guy a bunch of bunch of half truths, and he'll run back to the administration and create chaos and undermine the media and undermine the mm-hmm. administration." But Rudy Giuliani has has gone from American hero to the 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 textbook definition of useful mm-hmm. idiot in the agency of a foreign adversary. Yeah, he has fallen farther than Nixon. I think he's probably, maybe even fallen farther than Trump, because Trump Trump started out a reality TV star and his going mm-hmm. is going down as basically corrupt. Mm-hmm. But Rudy Giuliani was a hero. He was mm-hmm. a, an American hero, and he has become a menace. What's
1: he? His daughter just uh, just did an ad against saying "Don't vote for me." My dad does. Did you notice that this weekend?
0: I love the kids. (laughs) I know there is no household that's immune from the kids. (laughs) I
1: love the. I like to have reunion, Like Mary Trump, there's like kids from all of these people that are like, "Yeah, don't vote, don't vote for dad, don't vote for dad." I think we should.
0: We need to. We need to lower the age limits to run for office on both Mm -hmm. ends. No one. I'm sorry. No one over the age of seventy should be allowed to run for president. And also. (laughs) We need to lower the <laughs> age limit such that Claudia Cowan can run for Congress. No, I Conway. will. I, am the, <laughs> right. I think a 15 year old should be able to the run for Congress. Are, the
1: kids are all right. Oh, the kids, I don't are know, hell- the
0: kids are all right. That's perfect. The kids that are is all right. perfect. The kids um, are all right. Speaking of which,
1: I'm going to give you one more thing that I thought was a okay. win if you can do it. On HBO Max, I know you make fun of them, but they did the West Wing reunion. I know it's only for a certain class of people. It was Aaron Sorkin They're and all cast. They won awards at
0: their school newspaper. I think Listen the West to Wing. Me. There has never Listen. been a wider show. Why don't you get a pumpkin spice latte on your West Wing? I
1: know that it was a really white show, but they did their Hartsford Landing one, which of course is like a bunch of white people in the answer voting. But it was uh, to see them at it again. Mm-hmm. They did a beautiful job at. Who's your re- favorite
4: character?
0: They,
1: all of them. There's not one that I don't like. And they all came back. And by the <laughs> way, you know how when you go away and TV people look terrible when you see them again? You know, 10 years, 20, aged 20, well? 20 years. They've all looked fantastic. Like Alice and Janney is hot as can be. Everyone, every single person on that show. Looks great, including Martin Sheen, uh, who was is, who was is really very well. Thing. Rob yeah. Lowe, the whole gang of them, Bradley Whitford, all, every single one of these people looks superb and is a terrific actor still. But what they did, what was interesting, is in between they had little ads about voting that were very innovative and fun. They had Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda, and they they had him talking to one of the characters on West Wing. They had um, uh, the guy who plays the assistant to the president, who was amazing. They they replaced, um, I'm going to, I shouldn't, John Spencer, who died, uh, he played Leo McGarry on the show. Yeah. Uh, they had Sterling K. Brown take his spot. Superb. So I'm just saying, anyone who as they watch, watch it. It's a wonder. I don't know how many people will get this thing. They should have made it more widely available. It's wonderful because there's so many wonderful actors that came off that show uh, and uh, and I really, uh, really enjoyed it. So that's what you I You got to
0: see, speaking of PSAs on voting, you got to see Judd Apatow yeah. interview oh, Representative yes. Adam Schiff. Yeah. It's really Schiff's good. a
1: little trouble. I think Schiff should like not make he's accusations funny. about whether the Hunter Biden thing is Russian too, by the way. People will be surprised, but I think he should have the proof if he's going to say it. Um, same thing. I don't like the National Security Advisor lying and I don't know Know where the I want to see the proof of this. I don't care about this Hunter Biden thing, but if they're going to do it, I want to see the proof both sides. But Adam Schiff is hysterical well, on that. It's video. really
0: funny. He's singing and
1: dancing, and then you see his midsection.
3: Yeah, but, he's, you know, good. he's kind no, of he's fit. Good. He
1: was looking very fit. It's it's interesting. Jed Apatow is excellent. He's yeah, he's, a, a he's another he's another he's guy It's really terrific. Anyway, it's been a good week for videos and stuff like that. That's okay, right. Scott, listeners should be paying to what? Paying attention to what? What do you think? Hey,
0: look, people people are tired and they don't want to what hear next? it. And yeah. uh, look, I I think the novel coronavirus is still. Uh, it's like you know, are we tired of the Nazis? Are we? T- I mean, it's like yep. no one said that. I'm tired I, of the I, Nazis. Like, I okay. have a suggestion.
1: I have a suggestion. Go ahead. What is your best way of, what is the most ex- fun, not fun, what's the most adaptable thing you've seen done by someone through this coronavirus from a business? I think that would be interesting. I've seen a lot of incredible adaptability and entrepreneurship around this. And I'm every time I see it, I'm very proud of people. That's how I feel. So there's a there's is? a guy
0: who goes out on a fishing trawler just off mm-hmm. of um, the coast here, and he uh, catches fish, and then he emails just emails a list while he's on the boat of what he's caught. Uh, mm-hmm. He used to have a, he used to have a, a fish market and he had to close it down and now he, he texts he he emails you from his boat what he just caught and you put in your orders and he drops it in a cold storage igloo on your on your uh, front doorstep.
1: Brilliant 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 adaptability. I really love to see that in this difficult time. So what are you doing that's adaptable? Let's have some some examples or questions about what people can do. All right that's Good. Going to be our thing. email us at, pivot at voxmedia.com. We're going to be forward thinking because we're going to get through this. It's like what that's is war over the war war bonds? That's right. Are you gonna are you gonna dance for the people and stuff like that? Help go on us a tour? Soften
0: the blow. Yeah,
1: soften the blow. Sorry. <laughs> sorry.
0: <laughs> sorry Emails at it. pivot
1: at voxmedia.com uh, to be featured on the show. Scott, please read us out.
0: Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Fernando Finete. engineered this episode. Erica Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Drew Burroughs. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify. If you like the show, Please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business.